The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the doors were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. He said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples said to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger into the nail marks and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now a week later his disciples were again inside and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, although the doors were locked, and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and bring your hand and put it into my side, and do not be believing, but believe. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you come to believe because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book, but these are written that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that through this belief you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. Today we conclude the eight-day solemnity that starts the Easter season, which is the solemnity of Easter. It was not just last Sunday. And it's really beautiful if you think about it, because the gospel today takes place on the evening of the day of the resurrection. So in a certain way, these eight days, when we've been celebrating the resurrection in an intense way, Easter, we call Easter the Feast of Feasts. That's why every Sunday throughout the liturgical year is modeled on Easter. No other feast compares to this one in our mind. We have a lot of other beautiful feasts, but the conquest of sin and death that comes in Christ brings our redemption, brings hope back to a hopeless world again, is thanks to the mystery of his passion, his death, and his resurrection. So we've gone from those first accounts early in the morning, last Easter Sunday, to the empty tomb, to this evening of the first day of the week, When the doors were locked, where the risen Christ appears to the disciples. And when he appears to the disciples, the first thing he says, he he sort of just appears, right? Because it talks about the fact that the doors were locked for fear of the Jews. And he came and stood in their midst, and he said to them, Peace be with you. And he showed them his hands and his side. He showed them his wounds. What a beautiful icon to contemplate when we celebrate this second Sunday of Easter that we also call Divine Mercy Sunday. Because it is an icon of the mercy of Christ toward us. It helps us to realize the gift of the mercy of God. St. John Paul II said in one of his two documents, he's either um, Reconciliation and Penance or the Gift of Mercy, he talked about the fact that mercy shows love is greater than justice. And we all rejoice in mercy because we all know that in one moment or another of our lives, we have not even basically lived up to the standard that our Lord has presented to us. And that should not discourage us or dissuade us for turning to him for mercy. Pope Francis has said on more than one occasion, it's not that 
God tires of forgiving us. It's that we tire of asking him for forgiveness. And sometimes we can fall into that frustration. And without violating anybody's privacy, I can tell you, more than once a penitent has come in and said, Father, why am I confessing the same things over and over and over again? And I always tell him or her, you're missing the point. You come to the gift of mercy. God helps us with his grace, but he also helps us with his mercy. He sets a pretty high bar. Sometimes we set a bar even higher for ourselves. And in that gap, when we come up short, that is where the mercy of our Lord comes. Because it's not that we fall a thousand times, it's that we get up a thousand and one times. That's what mercy is all about. It's our effort. It's trying that is pleasing to our Lord. And with his help, he will help us succeed. So when we come to him for mercy, that is something that should fill us with joy because it turns us into being more merciful. And that is one of the most beautiful and eloquent ways that the love God shows toward us, like our Lord is showing in this sort of iconic contemplation today, that we then turn around and give out that love to others. Because the more we receive mercy and welcome it into our hearts, the more merciful we become. It's not by chance that in the Our Father we say, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. There are other parables in the gospel that talk about that relationship between us needing mercy in order to be merciful. And how many tensions, how many faults in charity, how many impatiences, how many judgments, how many feuds could be resolved with a little more mercy on our part? And sometimes we don't want to take that first step either. It's like, oh, I'm not going to do it. They did something to me. Why should I have to be the first one to do it? Our Lord doesn't even break into that logic. He shows us that example today with the disciples. When he comes to them and he shows them his wounds, imagine if he had said nothing. The disciples could have interpreted that in so many ways. How, if we contemplate our Lord risen and glorious, showing us his wounds and saying, peace be with you, How does that strike a chord in our hearts? Is there joy? Is there shame? Is there fear? Maybe sometimes there's a mix of all of those things. But our Lord makes his statement of what he wants us to be. He wants us to be at peace. Peace be with you. With those words, it goes beyond a ghost or a risen Lord who says, look what you did to me and I survived in spite of it. Shame on you all. Because we know that's not what the message that our Lord sends, especially when we consider him on this Sunday of divine mercy. He says, peace be with you. And as the gospel says in the first part, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. And he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. The church has always believed, okay, there you go, right there. The apostles and their successors, the bishops and those who work with them, ministerial priesthood, they have received that ability to be those instruments of divine mercy. And all of us, I'm sure, unless we're not old enough yet, I see a couple toddlers here, they have gone to reconciliation during Lent. Uh, Some people will be obviously probably be going to reconciliation today in divine mercy celebrations all over the place. Because they have come to that source of divine mercy that our Lord has established in his ministerial priesthood and and also in that sacrament of reconciliation through the ministry of the sacrament of reconciliation. Paul says so beautifully in one of his letters, he says, boy, I can sum up almost my whole ministry and message as an invitation to be reconciled to God. It's a message of mercy. And I think we can all agree that many times we see in the world today there's a certain mercilessness. 
There's a more deep-seated animosity at times and resentments and things. And unfortunately, sometimes it's even amongst Christians who've had an experience of divine mercy. But our Lord wants to re-inject that gospel joy again that not only gives us peace in those moments, brings us that peace, but helps us to go out and share that peace that comes from him with others as well. In the Last Supper discourse, he said, you know, I will give you a peace. It's not going to be as the world gives it. He wants to give us that deeper peace. And that deeper peace comes through this Easter joy. It comes through that hope being restored again by keeping that eternal life on the horizon, which is what we contemplate, we're going to be contemplating for 50 days during this liturgical season of Easter. The other reason that we celebrate Divine Mercy today is actually an older tradition that we don't think about as much anymore. You know, Divine Mercy Sunday and everything that revolves around that is really beautiful. But this Sunday used to also be called Dominica in Albis, which basically meant the Sunday of those who are dressed in white. Albis is Latin for alb, like I wear this white alb, right? Because those who came into the church in the Easter Vigil last weekend, they would come to this liturgical celebration dressed in white. And while we don't do that practice anymore, although there's beautiful traditions in the Easter Vigil when they're baptized, and in every baptism that white garment comes to symbolize that, that is also another testimony to divine mercy. Because those people have been washed clean by the blood of the Lamb, as John says so beautifully in the book of Revelation. Because above all, redemption and salvation is a gift of mercy. Since the fall, if... Our, if, if God was God and Jesus hadn't revealed to him as his heavenly Father and Son and Holy Spirit, he could have simply said, okay, I gave you guys a chance and you blew it, and you guys fizzle out and be miserable for all eternity. But in his mercy, he didn't want that. He wanted to restore that peace, like we're restoring that peace right now. He wanted to restore that peace in us. And sometimes we had to work on it. We couldn't restore that peace in ourselves by ourselves. That's what the scars of original sin are around. They wound us in our natural powers. We know the right thing we need to do, but we just don't manage to do it. And the Old Testament is practically a whole story of that, where the Lord constituted the people of Israel. He established a covenant with them. They blew it over and over and over again, but they tried. And there was, that was a preparation for that moment to give them what they needed and that we live every day in the sacraments in our Christian life, which is that grace, that grace that works hand in hand with mercy. And we know that if we do something serious enough that we kick that grace out of our front door, with humility we can come to the sacrament of reconciliation and that grace will come right back into our hearts. So in a certain way, some people call, recon, they call the sacrament of reconciliation sort of the second plank of salvation, right? Because the first plank is like, okay, you get pulled out of the water of original sin, you get put in a boat, and you're sailing, and then you shipwreck again right away. So the early church fathers had that image of, okay, the sacrament of reconciliation is that plank that you hold on to to stay afloat until you get back on the ship again. We need divine mercy over and over and over again. It's not just a one-shot thing. Because divine mercy also brings us healing. And I'll conclude with that, this last thought, because we see the example of Thomas. Thomas was obviously hurting. Sins don't only wound others, they wound ourselves. Sometimes we lose sight of the fact that sin wounds. It's a self-inflicted wound, and it's a wound of others. We just look at it as sins. Yes, they are sins. They're wrong. They have negative consequences. 
They diminish the love of God for us in our hearts. Sometimes they kick it out altogether, hopefully temporarily, because with reconciliation we can bring that back. But on the same token, too, they wound us and they damage us. And I just want you to think, for example, what were the last few things that St. Thomas said leading up to this moment? When Jesus was ready to go back to Jerusalem for the last time before his death, Thomas was one of the ones who said, it's like, you're going to go back? They're just about to kill you. Why are you going to go back there? And Thomas is the one who said, all right, let's just all go die together, right? So he already went into that situation prepared to die. And then we see the moment where all the disciples abandon Jesus. So imagine Thomas goes from being resigned to, okay, I'm going to die with him, to running away and letting Jesus die alone. Imagine where he was in that first appearance of Jesus, trying to reconcile with what happened, or not having that faith that Jesus rose from the dead, or not understanding that Jesus rose from the dead, because we know the disciples didn't really get it until he it happened and showed up. I mean, they didn't really believe it when Mary Magdalene came and told them either. We see the other accounts of the resurrection that talk about that. So when he does come back and they all say, he's, he's risen, we've seen the Lord, well, he just can't handle it. And he says, prove it, you know. I'm not taking these things on faith anymore. And what does the Lord do? The Lord appears, says the same thing. Peace be with you. And he shows his wounds again, that beautiful icon that I encourage us all to contemplate as we begin the rest of the Easter season. And he says, go ahead, Thomas. Whatever proof you need, here it is right here. Probe the wounds. Put your hand on my side. What do you need to believe? Here, I give it to you. And so Thomas responds, my Lord and my God. And Jesus says, have you come to believe because you see me? Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. And then John has this beautiful allusion at the end here that there were so many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. And those signs still happen. A lot of times they happen inside of our hearts. Our Lord still continues today to appear to us in one way or another and say, peace be with you. And sometimes when we put that to the test, he responds, he says, okay, put me to the test. And if we believe in him and trust in him and know that he's our Lord, in his mercy, he allows us to do that and he helps us to experience that gift of divine mercy that transforms us, that heals us, and it also liberates us in the heart to go out and be loving and merciful toward others as well. So as we continue this celebration of the Eucharist, let us simply thank our Lord for the gift of his mercy, the mercy that he chose to bring down in person, the mercy that he chose to build up on the cross, what he suffered for us on the cross, and the mercy that when he did come risen and glorious, as he still comes risen and glorious into our lives in so many ways, he did not send a message of condemnation or judgment or disappointment, but he sent a message of mercy. Let's welcome that message of mercy into our hearts and transmit that message of mercy to all those we know as well. We give thanks to the Lord because he is good. United in the joy of the resurrection, let us turn to the Father with our prayers. That on this Divine Mercy Sunday the Church will rededicate herself to living and proclaiming Christ's mercy, we pray to the Lord. Lord that leaders of governments will work to ensure that all people can live in peace with the freedom to worship God and pursue holiness, we pray to the Lord. Lord For an increase of vocations to the priesthood and consecrated life, we pray to the Lord. Lord 
for the young people of our parish who will receive the sacrament of confirmation, that the Holy Spirit will strengthen their faith and ground them in love, that they may bear witness to Christ the Lord by their way of life. We pray to the Lord. Today's Mass is being offered for the repose of the soul of Nancy Mack. We pray to the Lord. For those who are sick or infirm and for their caregivers, that God in his mercy will draw close to them and raise them up. We pray to the Lord. For the repose of the souls of all the faithful departed, that through our prayers and those of the Blessed Mother, they may join the saints in heaven. Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord. And let perpetual life upon them. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed. To the mercy of God, Loving Father, the resurrection of your Son gives us a new birth to a living hope. Let us live in that hope always. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. 